From Moses, the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, this is the In Her Boots podcast, a show about women cultivating the sustainable and organic agriculture movement and how she does it. My name is Lisa Kiverest, and I founded and lead the award-winning Moses In Her Boots project, providing training, resources, and support for women farmers. I'm a farmer myself, running in serendipity with my family in Wisconsin, and am the author of Soil Sisters, a toolkit for women farmers. The In Her Boots podcast celebrates the collaborative spirit of us women farmers and all women working to transform our food system and steward our land, sharing ideas and inspiration with each other. Whether you're a woman with a dream of starting your own farm or already have your hands deep in the soil, there's something for you here. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss anything. Cynthia Christensen is both a farmer and a licensed therapist with a passion for rural mental health. She has a private practice, Oak Ridge Teletherapy, and for the past 20 years has worked as a psychiatric nurse in an inpatient hospital. Cynthia has been connected to farming all her life. She's a graduate of the Minnesota Agricultural Rural Leadership Program and currently serves as the president of the Houston County Farm Bureau and was appointed to the Minnesota Advisory Council on Mental Health. We are here with Cynthia Christensen talking on our Resilience podcast series. Thank you, Cynthia, so much for joining us and sharing all of your expertise and I know deep passion for this topic, especially from your lens as a woman farmer and our community of women farmers of how we can support each other and become stronger in agriculture. So appreciate your time. And I want to kick things off with this theme we're exploring this summer of resilience is, is how do you define that personally? What is resilience to you? Resilience to me is really the ability to get through tough times um, successfully. Mm. And then also to think about just going forward, despite the adversity that you might be encountering towards some goal that you've set for yourself. I think it's, it's really crucial in farming, because as we know, there is a a great deal of adversity in farming. So I think resilience is a quality that most farmers have. And how do you see that cultivated particularly amongst women or or why is it so important to us as women to to focus on this, to talk about it, to explore it? I think it's important because I think women on the farm are incredibly resilient, but I don't think they see themselves as resilient I think we as women really focus on striving for perfection Mm -hmm. and being worthy. And I think resilience kind of just gets put in the background as something we don't even see as a lens for ourselves because we're so focused on just getting things done and as well as we can do them. I think we set really high standards for ourselves. So I think it's a quality we need to be giving ourselves credit for having. And how, tell us a little bit about your your story because you grew up in a in a big family farm, right? I did. How how did that affect your passions today? You know, I I love the farm and farmers and farm families. I think it's really just the soul of our country. Um, I grew up in southwest Iowa. I was one of I am one of 13 children. Wow. Um, my father farmed um, the homestead. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> lot of people, (laughs) a lot of personality. Um, So a lot of people. Yeah. 
So um, we grew up on a, you know, our grandparents' farm, and my father raised cattle um, for a living and then cropped. And during a certain point in his farming career, we actually went bankrupt and lost the family farm. And I remember the details of that like it was yesterday. We had about 5,000 cattle that had to be sold immediately. And I just remember as a child looking out and seeing um, livestock trailers, just their lights blinking in the night and just as far as you could see up the road. And it was pretty devastating um, what happened. And yet he never, ah, I get emotional. Mm. He never lost confidence in himself and, and thought about farming going forward. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's deep. Um, so having experienced that, yeah, it, it is deep. So having experienced that and the difficulty um, on the farm and just having just such an appreciation for, for farming and the lifestyle that, that you can create. But then as, a, as an aside to that, being a girl on the farm, I was you know, expected to do fence building and cattle chasing and hauling bales and doing all that kind of stuff. But I somehow knew that I was never going to be the one to take on, you know, the mantle of farming. That was um, really given to my brother who was born after me. And he's been farming for 60 years. And actually, we farmed together for about 25 years. So I've, I've been engaged in farming all my life, but I still hesitate to call myself a farmer. I've been responsible for farm payments and farm decisions for all that time. But when somebody asked me how to describe myself, I really struggled to say I'm a farmer because I don't drive a combine. I don't drive a tractor unless it's an emergency. You know, all that kind of stuff that you think of traditional farmers. So, and I, I don't think I'm alone in, in that struggle with naming what it is we are as women on the farm. Um, but I think we don't talk about it much. It's kind of one of those things we just just struggle with when it's asked, but I don't think it's really something we spend a lot of time on, but I, I think it is important in how we identify our role on the farm. Sure. And why, why do you think that's a challenge for us women to sometimes fully embrace that farmer role? Because you're right, we are doing that. And in many cases have even started the farm or particularly for some women listening who might be beginning farmers or literally starting out on their farm dreams and, and haven't found their land or their place yet. What are so, why do you think it's so difficult for us, it, particularly in today's society, which is probably a factor in all of that? Yeah, I think there's something really um, historical and cultural about the, the icon of a farmer. And I do think it's, it's time for change and embracing female farmers, I think we need, need to build community in our rural um, landscape. And I think women are ideally suited for that kind of, of task. So I would encourage people to not take my path and struggle with this naming thing, but really own that, that mantle of farmer. Because um, I do think it fits, but I think I struggle with it because of my historical baggage of what that that means. So I think it's I think it's time to to really embrace that. 
And your family farm history, your family and your dad really, I can just tell, instilled in you that concept of resilience and strength and seeing things through. And I'm sure, did that fuel your decision in going into the the work you're in now of supporting people, particularly supporting rural folks and farmers in strong mental health? Absolutely. I think as a therapist, it's important to understand the kind of clients that you're seeing in therapy. And farming is such a unique culture, as every culture is, but I feel very strongly that I get it with farming and the appeal of the land and the passion and the depth of emotion that's there that just really wanted, um, it drove my practice to focus on rural clients. Excellent. So let's shift a little to the idea of gratitude under the umbrella of resilience that I know is something really close to your heart, Cynthia. And why why does gratitude as something in our, our resilience toolbox, if you will, uh, play such an important role for you personally? I think it's such an an easy skill to practice. Mm. You can do it every day, moment by moment. And I think it's a it's a shift in our perspective. I believe that what we think is the most powerful thing. Um, the voice we hear inside of our own head is the voice we listen to the most. It's the voice we believe the most. Um, if somebody tells us something positive and we don't believe it, we just negate that comment as irrelevant. And I think gratitude is something that you can really begin to, to practice and shift that voice from what is going wrong to what is going right. And I believe that there's always something that's going right in the midst of whatever. I've practiced gratitude enough that I think if given any situation, I could find something that um, is positive about it, or in some regard, it could be worse, you know, kind of thing, um, which means that you've got something um, to be grateful for. Oh, I love that. And that's especially so important right now when you and I are talking and recording, we are still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And hopefully, folks will be still tuning into this when when this chapter is passed. But that is so poignant today for all of us, right? Where things are so unknown and scary nationally, globally, that it it's so important to remember the the gratitude, the simple things that are going right. I've noticed that myself more than ever since COVID of when everything seems to be falling apart, you know, it's just so important to identify those things that are not and be be grateful literally for them. So yeah, that's been a a real boot camp of lessons for me during during the pandemic time. But what are uh, some ideas, Cynthia, that you've seen work that we women could try to to foster more to foster more gratitude and thereby resilience in our day-to-day farming lives, because as you well know, things get so busy, right? And we get so caught up in those Mm -hmm. to-do lists and just never-ending projects, et cetera. I know I do that. Uh, What are some things we could try to incorporate or look at differently? Okay. Just keeping with the gratitude theme, I think um, 
we mostly think about gratitude once a year when we're sitting down to Thanksgiving <laughs> meal and everybody has to go around the table and say what they're grateful for. And most of the time we say family or food or, you know, just something quick so that you can get to the turkey. But um, I would encourage people to actually have what, what I call a gratitude practice. And you don't really need to write it down. You can write it down if you'd like to. But just begin to think during the day about moments that you're grateful for so that at the end of the day, when you put your head on the pillow, you can just recall three or four things that happened that day that you were really grateful for. So in essence, that kind of counting your blessings. And I think we can really do that with our children and begin to teach them to look for what they have instead of what they don't have. And then I think gratitude can also be practiced as just kind of a philosophy of life that if you begin to look for what you have, it kind of begins to give you that perspective that your glass is half full instead of half empty. And then another way of doing a gratitude practice too is actually taking some action that will be perceived as grateful by someone else. Um, for example, my dad um, the other day called his brother on FaceTime, something that two 80 plus year old men don't do very often, but in the COVID business, that's what they did. <laughs> and they were both so grateful for that, that phone call, which, you know, is just such a simple thing, but it really gave them a positive feeling, both of them. Um, so, so thinking about actions that you can do to to make someone's life better, I think really fills both you and the person that you're giving the gift to with, with some positive feelings, even if it's like, you know, a loaf of banana bread or a bouquet of, you know, cut some flowers from your garden or something. It doesn't have to be big, but just that action, I think, is something that, that really fosters positive feelings in this, in this time. Oh, that's great. One thing I know I've, I've tried to do is in that spirit of gratitude of when somebody and it's often women you know do something for me out of kindness you're you're always saying yes thank you in the moment but sometimes when time passes and whatever it is really impacts you to reconnect so for example if somebody gives me a book recommendation i might not read that book till 6 months later but to remember to pop them an email or a text like hey you know i really enjoyed that or thank you for connecting me with that. Do you know, I try that. And one thing I do on the farm is we don't do our own transplants here. We get them from a, a fellow woman farmer, Della Enns here. And, and another farmer, Linda D, gave me some sweet potato transplants for the first time. And they're beautiful plants. But, you know, we as women, our plants are like our children, right? So when uh, they are going to different farms. I like to send baby photos, you know, or, or uh, these sweet potatoes. It's the first time, the sweet potatoes are the first time we've grown them and they're doing great. And I mean, Linda gave me lots of tips, et cetera. And even then occasionally I'll try to do that when we're literally uh, harvesting or eating something because it keeps us connected, but it's gratitude outside of the immediate moment that I think, like you were saying, can really really have an impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it really does build community and connection. That's a, that's a great story of, of what gratitude can do. Yeah. 
and the residual impact of it as well. Research does show that um, if you actually practice gratitude, I believe it's for nine weeks, it in, research shows it improves your mood. Excellent. <laughs> which seems really stunning. Well, no medication required either, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No medication, no side effects, no, no medication, right? Right. Um, in thinking about our conversation today, I just wanted to share a couple of other things too that we can do to build resilience that are really just basic, but we kind of forget um, the basics sometime in the midst of, of crisis. Um, one of the most important things we can do as humans to, to be better is just sleep. We all know it, but we don't always attend to it. But just, you know, if you aren't sleeping, your fuse is shorter, you, things are tougher, you're tired, you don't get as much done. So just thinking about sleep and um, structure is also another thing that we can do that's very helpful in stressful times. Just setting a, a bedtime even for yourself or your kids um, and then getting up at the same time is also helpful. And I think sometimes we as farm people, you know, you lay down thinking you're just going to watch some TV show and you fall asleep and then you wake up at like one in the morning and you've had enough sleep that you're going to have a hard time falling to sleep, but yet, you know, it's just, it's just a disaster. So um, just even thinking about that kind of stuff, like, okay, am I going to, am I going to be asleep in five minutes here on the couch? It'd be better just going to bed and then not waking up at one and regretting going to the couch. And then the other thing too is just drinking water. It sounds so simple, but just hydration makes you think better. You have, again, more energy. It, it just is something very simple, but really important in just being better and more resilient. And along with that goes just good nutrition. And then just some other kind of self-care things. We as women tend to just dip out of our bowl into everybody else's bowl until your bowl is empty and you just have nothing else to give. So I think it's very important to just think about how do you restore yourself? Um, listening to music can be so restorative. You know, if you're out weeding the garden, just can you somehow get music out there? It just really makes things better. Picking some flowers for yourself and just bringing them in. I think we enjoy them outside, but we never think to cut, at least I don't think to cut them and bring them in. And it's so positive when I do. Also focusing on what you've got done. Typically on the farm, there's way more to do than you have time to do it. And I think it's important at the end of the day to look at what you got done, not look at what you didn't get done. And sometimes I use this little, when I feel overwhelmed, I'm like, okay, so today I was a good daughter if I did something for my parents. Um, today I was a good sister. Today I was a good mom. So just trying to just give myself credit for what I did do, because I probably was good at what I chose to do that day. Um, so just again, just kind of looking at, at, at the positive instead of the negative. It's really easy to look at the big list of things that you didn't, didn't get done. So, so those are just some real simple things to think about just to build resilience and get through tough times. Oh, that's great. And could you talk a little bit more, we were talking in the earlier about the community aspect in really fostering, if I'm understanding right, like mental health, right? I mean, we need community, we need each other. And do you see that 
particularly important amongst women? And it seems historically, particularly in rural communities, there were just more more traditional structures in place for women to connect. And I often see, myself was included, and being, well, not 20 years ago, but new to a rural community and not as plugging into traditional structures, if you will, of still making efforts to make community. And we actually started a group here that's still meeting uh, of women in sustainable ag, both farmers and gardeners who meet regularly for potlucks, you know, and kind of that fostering of connections. But how does that fit in the priorities for women? I mean, in that I'm assuming community plays an important role. And how do you see that in the overall mental health arena? Are we are we lacking in that today in our society? I keep thinking we're heading in that direction, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I think it's a great thing to to think about. With mental health, connection is one of the most important things. Um, when we feel like we're the only one or I'm the only one dealing with this, it's not it's not good for our mental health. So when we can connect with others who are having a shared experience, it just makes us feel like, you know, I'm not alone. This is, this isn't just me, Mm. um, which is just so, so healthy. And I think that in the past, our church communities have kind of given us that structure through circles. I'm a Lutheran, so I'll just use those old Lutheran terms, but like the circles and, you know, the the women's craft days and they get together and clean and do those kinds of things, which is all just social connection. And I think in our busy world, we don't often take time for those things. So I would encourage people to, to really figure out how they can connect. Um, Again, I think this perfectionism thing can play a role there. You don't feel like your house is clean enough or, you know, it just sometimes you think it's going to add more stress, but I think we need to somehow, be kind to each other and just set those things aside. Even if you agree you aren't going to go in the house, you know, it's like, okay, I'm only going to go in the house if I have to go to the bathroom. But um, just to kind of take out some of that, those barriers where you just think, you know, I can't have people over or whatever is the thing that keeps us from doing those connections. I think it's, I think it's very important. And I would encourage everybody who's listening to this to try to, to try to figure out how they connect with people in their community. One thing I wanted to just share, I don't know if this kind of um, plays into it, but I was reading in an old book called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And this um, term came up, and I think it's so poignant for, for right now. There's, it talks about how women carry the emotion of the family. And there's actually a term for it called anima. A-N-I-M-A, and it was coined by a psychologist, Carl Jung, and it talks about how um, when the man's inner feminine aspect gets projected onto a real-life woman when he can't deal with his own emotions or work through them. And I want to just throw that out as an idea for women that are struggling with, you know, the stress of crops and the farm situation right now and just acknowledging that they're probably carrying the emotion of both their husband and themselves and their children which i think is really a huge a huge burden to care to carry and i think if we can connect with other women that load would be easier to 
to carry. But I, when I read that, I was really stunned just thinking about women in a rural community and, and how they're probably feeling that. But, you know, to think about there being a name for it and a whole idea of it, I think is really powerful. Oh, that makes so much sense, Cynthia. And, and too, when, when you share a load with others, it's lighter, right? And Absolutely. And healthier in the long run. That is really interesting. Um, could you, uh, this is a very basic question, maybe to close us out, but with your background as a therapist, we hear that term mental health a lot today. And while it's obviously an important concept, how do you define it? I mean, what is mental health? You know, it's interesting you ask that question because I think that when I'm when I'm speaking, that's one of the most difficult things. Because I think when people hear mental health, oftentimes they hear mental illness, mm. which is, is not the same thing. And mental health, I see as someone who is engaged in life, who's happy to wake up in the morning, has things to do that they value during the day. They are connected with people. They know what they value. They have better physical health because of their better mental health. You know, we're all one being. And I'm a therapist and a psychiatric nurse, and I think the brain is the most important thing in the body, that when we can take care of our brains, we take care of our bodies better. You know, we sleep better, we, we eat better, we're just better. So I like to, to think about just the health aspect there's other terms that people talk about, behavioral health, emotional health, brain health, um, whatever we want to call it. I think we know what we're talking about. And I think oftentimes there's just tremendous stigma about even just what it is. And I think we have a, a responsibility to each other to learn about signs and symptoms of distress and have the courage to step in and support each other when we recognize those signs. Just like if somebody's having a heart attack, you know, most of us know CPR and you don't just walk by and let them, you know, have a heart attack. You, you do something. And I think we need to get to that point with, with mental health and supporting each other in that aspect. Just, it's like a community service kind of thing. I I really think we need to get to that, that point We often talk about there's not enough therapists to go around. I think therapy is wonderful, obviously, because I'm a therapist. I think everybody should go to a therapist. But not everybody needs a therapist, but everybody needs some emotional support. And just giving it to each other, I think, would be a great place to start in reducing stigma and just asking for help when we need it. Terrific. Thank you, Cynthia. This has been really, really helpful. And thank you for the good important work you do and advocating to get these issues on the table and to be talking about it in all kinds of contexts including over the podcast airwaves thank you for your time thank you so much thanks for listening to our in her boots podcast i'm your host lisa kiverest with the moses in her boots project this episode's audio engineer was liam kiverest of techsocket.net The podcast was brought to you by the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service, MOSES. The mission of MOSES is to educate, inspire, and empower farmers to thrive in a sustainable organic system of agriculture. 
For more information on Moses, In Her Boots, and a bounty of organic resources, check out mosesorganic.org.